0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Enterprise Sales Development Podcast, brought to you by Science Technologies. We interview outbound leaders at fast growth businesses to learn their secrets and bring you actionable insights. Thanks for joining us this week.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Enterprise Sales Development. I'm Eric Quanstrom CMO at Science.
0: And I'm Caroline Maloney. I'm the Director of Sales Training and Enablement at Science.
1: I'm going to try to match the energy here because our guest today was Tom Slocum and boy, oh boy, was this high energy and like all the good kind of energy, right, Caroline?
0: Absolutely. You did a great job, Eric. Good energy.
1: (laughs) So Tom is a guy with a ton of experience and a ton of wisdom to share. You know, from starting his career at GoDaddy and then Yelp and Infusionsoft and being the sales dev ops manager at Reputation.com and director of sales and biz dev at Milestone. And now to the co-founder of RevLeague and basically the program director at RevGenius. Again, two organizations that are literally furthering the cause for every SDR out there, 20,000 plus on the daily. He's got the goods, doesn't he?
0: Absolutely, Eric. And having been an SDR himself, he's really able to share with us a lot of his tried and true methods. He's incredible, high energy, inspirational, he goes into detail about how he effectively uses office hours too to coach his reps, which I think is a really interesting part of this pod that a lot of our listeners are going to take away a lot of value from.
1: Love that part. Well, without further ado, and get ready for it, you know, strap in because here it comes, Tom Slocum. And we're back with Tom and you know, Tom, it's really exciting to have you as a, as a guest on Enterprise Sales Development, largely because, frankly, this is your space right this is what you do this is kind of like uh you're like the proto guest right you've been a sales development manager you now front and lead the community over rev genius you've been kind of like in the seat as an sdr you've seen every side of kind of like the sales development landscape and i'm i'm really curious like what are some of the things that you're focused on right now being human
2: uh changing (laughs) the way that we we go to market you know the times have changed. As we all have noticed, people are done with the over formality, the over fluff of everything, right? I, I, if I'm going to prospect you, Eric, right? Like just be conversational. People are people. Like I don't need this whole drawn out fuzzy words and buzzwords about my growth and, oh, you just got funding. If you've got real value for me, bring it. Get my attention. Show me what's going on. Maybe multi-thread within my team. Get some of my end users getting riled up and champion for me. But just be human um, and have a conversation. So the big focus is, in my mind, and my own outreach right now, I'm back in the trenches myself. It's just being conversational and, and try to just bring value, be very quick, and get people to take action. And that's kind of all I'm doing within my messaging, my sequences, everything I'm building is finding a way to scale that personalization a little bit and you know, be more effective in the outreach there. And that's what we're teaching within uh, Rev League and the community part that's kind of where we're focused right now. It's, it's getting back to being human. I think everybody's just so overwhelmed with all the noise on LinkedIn and everybody's saying to do this and that, that you know, I'm thriving right now because I'm very simple. I'm like, Hey, it's not that hard. Here's my script. Here's what I'm doing. It's not all great, but like it's working, right? Like let's just be human. Uh, so that's where I'm at right now.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And and what do you think? And I love that goal by the way, just being human. And what what do you think? How, how do you coach simplicity? Like how how do you get naturalism out of the people that you coach and train?
2: I make it relatable. I think that's one of my superpowers, if anybody ever asked me, is the way that I can simplify things. Because again, it's 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 kind of like when you went in tutoring in school, you know, they always made the funny jokes in the 90s, like just make math about cheerleaders. The guys will figure it out, right? You got five cheerleaders, you take away three whatever, right? And so you got to just make it relevant. <laughs> Eric's dying right now. But you know what I'm saying, right? Like it's, it's about simplifying and making it relatable to the person. So I teach formulas, I teach frameworks, but I do it in a way that, Caroline, let me understand you. What's your why? Who are you as a person? And then figure out how to take these complex elements and put them in your world. Right. What is it that strikes it for you? Because money, promotions, all these little things aren't for everybody. Right. Like you have a big team, not everybody's going to be your top 10 chasing the dollar signs. Right. So, you know, the way I explain to them, because they love money, I'm going to do a little bit of different analogy with them uh, versus somebody else that's like, I generally just love winning and I love to help people. Great. Let me show you how important a meeting booked is or what that actually means for them and why, you know, passing the handoff to the AE makes sense. Right. Or, why these notes make sense. And we just simplify that way just by making it relatable because then they get that aha moment. They're like, man, I overcomplicated that so hard. Like, okay, that's all it is. I'm like, that's all it is. And they're like, okay, I got that. Five days later, they're booking meetings like a champ. And they're like, man, this was a lot easier than I thought. So it's kind of the way I approach it.
1: It, It's funny you say that because another word that, and you didn't say this, but I, I, this is the way I'm kind of hearing it is relatability is really about providing context for the situation yes, and and kind of where that conversation starts.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I lead with the three R's. This is my formula. I put it in my, about me. This is, you know, I, it took me a long time to realize I had a formula. Most of the time people ask like, how do you do so well? You're like, I don't know. I just do it. Right. You don't have an answer, but you have to go inward a little bit. There, there is a science to sales and there are formulas and there are processes that subconsciously you're doing. You just have to figure those out. And one of them for me was my three R's, research, relatability, and relevance. It's what it always came down to. Literally everything I did, every script, every email, every conversation I won, you took away at the base of it, Tom, you showed up with your research, you know exactly who you were calling and why. Two, you tied in your research to actually make it relevant to the message you were going with. And then three, you were just relatable. You made it in my terms And that's where buyer personas, knowing your ideal customer profile, right? Eric, when I came on the GTM Games, I knew you, right? I knew exactly who I was playing to. And I could have went 15 different ways, but I knew the way I had to go with Eric, right? I knew Eric a little bit more than I needed. I knew exactly what I wanted to pitch him and why. And then I brought in that relevancy. Too many people in their emails will bring in a tie-in or a, a research point, but it's so off base, it doesn't even tie into the message. Don't mention that I love surfing if surfing has nothing to do with your offering. Like now if surfing makes sense, like, hey, riding the wave or getting on the belly and doing you know, all these tricks is how lead data management is, right? Okay, that makes sense. Now I'm speaking Eric's language or Caroline's language, but to mention that and then go completely off base with feature dumping and the, oh, my product's so great. You know, you lose the entire message and you end up in the spam box, deleted, hang up. So those are my kind of my formulas, those three, three R's there
0: yeah and it sounds like and and with that with that first R right with research, it sounds like you're really able to to accurately define the difference between uh, you know personal and personalized. so what are what are some of the tips that you have for SDRs as they do their research to personalize at scale with relevance? what are what are some tips that you found successful there? Well, it's two points.
2: You can either lead on personalization if you have it. Or just lean with relevance. Because not all the time can you... A lot of times I deal with a lot of reps who are like, love all this personalization, but my audience isn't out there. Like, I'm so sick of hearing about it because I can't... My, my people aren't posting on LinkedIn. They're not on all these platforms. That's cool for all the SaaS people. We're all out there doing that. We make our job easy. But these other verticals and industries don't do that. And so sometimes you just got to lean into relevancy. You can't... And that's still personalization. Mm -hmm. That is still very, very underlined personalization because, hey, Caroline, saw on your company website, you have some postings right now around this role. What have you done up until this point to, to try to fulfill that, right? I'm still personalized. I'm still relevant with you, but I'm not actually going down to the person, right? But I'm being personalized and relevant on something that's to you, Caroline. So that's kind of my tip, right? Is look at ways that you can tie in the research to what you're trying to do. Too many people go into the research about the person and trying to find all these cool little things like you went to college, this and that. Craft your message. What is your end goal with them? And then find the pieces of research that back that up. Work backwards. Stop just focusing on, oh, I need to hit research and make them feel like I know them. Craft your message first. What is the end goal? And then what pieces of research that personalize to them back up that message? So I'd look at your profile. Does anything stick out that would align to what I offer? Because again, you want to hit the right person with the right message at the right time. That's that's the whole goal. So how do you do that? It's, it's those kind of tips, right? Looking at content that actually makes sense, that's relatable and relevant. And you don't always have to be the person. Find a company. Find even other people in the space that they might follow. Maybe they're not a poster, but they follow a lot of people that are, that they're lurkers. Got to lean into the lurking, right? Eric, I know you don't post a lot, but I know that you follow John over here and I know that we eat his content all the time. We love it. I really liked what John said about enterprise sales development the other day. What are your thoughts on that? And I still was able to be relevant and and personalized with Eric without overdoing it uh, or not knowing Eric personally,
1: but I know his circle. That's a great piece of advice. You know, it's funny. I, I think about SDR craft or SDR roles in general and I, and I always keep it real with our own staff, our own hundreds of SDRs, where I say, you know, your job is impossible because you're calling on, you're writing to, you're reaching out to people for whom you've never done their job. You know, whether that title is a C sweeter or, you know, VP of marketing or something arcane, like a facilities manager, the chances are really good that you've never done that job. Because unfortunately SDRs themselves aren't a good target <laughs> to reach out to themselves, right? Like SDR on SDR action um, to set up yes. meetings. But the, the flip to that is that you do have this unfair advantage in that everyone you talk to that holds the same title, if not a very similar persona every single day is something that you can pattern match onto or into with every subsequent conversation that you ever have, right? Like if you're talking to me, you know, hey, I talked to the CMO of science the other day (laughs) and here's what he had to say on the next CMO call that you made. You make a great point because what people eat up about
2: social media influencers and all these thought leaders is that my whole day is spent calling this certain buyer persona. Just like you said, I'm talking to marketers all over where you were siloed in your own marketing world. You don't have the time to digest the content, learn what's happening out there, digesting you know connections and meeting with all these other CMOs. But guess who does? I do. Right. So let me remove that burden for you, Eric. Let me talk to you about what your market's talking about. I'm out here in these trenches doing this stuff. And, and for, luckily for me, I get eight hours a day to understand your role and what you're going through. So what I get to do is bring all of that research, all of that mixing into that, that bucket there back to you and, and earn my trust and authority with you and say, Eric, I I, I know you. SDRs are just a skill. It's a skill set, SDR. And sales development is just a skill. It's not who you are. Who you need to be is your buyer persona every day. Wear that hat, be in those circles, digest that content and fake it, right? That you know that role. Well, not fake it, but like fake it till you make it, right? Buy into that persona. I am, Eric, I'm a CMO just like you. And you know why? Because I know your growth challenges. I know the things that you're going through because I talk to 50 people a week that are telling me the roadblocks, the challenges. They're telling me to go screw myself, right? I get all of that while you don't. You're in your own little silo, just being Eric CMO at science. Like that's all you know, and you're doing your best ability, but you can't spend hours on podcasts. You can't spend hours doing that but I do. So let me be your source of truth. Let me kind of be that industry expert for you. And that's another great way to personalize. Listen, Eric, I know CMOs all over the place are dealing right now with engagement in their content, getting people to click through on their content, get that engagement going, and we're all suffering it from right now. What I've found though, is other CMOs have actually pulled a few of these levers. Where are you at in your structure? Have you tried those? What's going on? Those are great tips. I've actually done those and I don't get the same results. Okay, so did John over here, right? John did the same thing. And now I'm speaking with you, not at you. Now we're just dialoguing and being conversational and I brought all that information to your doorstep. So that's kind of how I look at it from that point, right? Is be that role for them.
1: It's so funny because I I find myself and and since this is going to be audio, like I'm going to paint the picture just how many times I was nodding my head with everything that you were saying and same with Caroline in this discussion, Tom. Um, cause it, it, these are such fundamental truths where I have the question though, is do we feel like kind of like the SDR, especially those very young in their careers where they haven't necessarily been taught to observe their own behavior and then pattern match that back into future behaviors, much like a subject matter expert would do, you know, typically with subject matter experts, you're talking about a cut above, you're talking about people with something to say, having that access to insights. Are we asking too much of SDRs to kind of try to wear that SME or thought leader role? No,
2: because it starts there. I mean, honestly, you should be getting to that level, right? You're you're the front line for your company. You're the one out there in those trenches. You're the one starting the entire funnel most often. So why not be everywhere being considered that, that expert, right? I want, you know, when I'm thinking of, video prospecting i want the sdr from science to be top of mind for me they they've showed me content they've been in my group um, they've established themselves you want to be that that default option for people you know i don't say i need a kleenex or a tissue i say i need a kleenex you ask for coca-cola right you 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 get that kind of default behavior so i want to start you think of Dooley. you think of ryan scalera right it just happens because they've established themselves as somebody in a space as when you have this pain, I'm your person. Come to me. I got you. I'm that person and I've made it well known that I'm that person. So I think SDRs should be leaning out more, creating their brands, getting themselves out there, earning that trust so that when you pick up the phone, the unfamiliarity is gone. When I started building a brand, my cold calls improved 10x because I could pick up the phone and now everybody's like, oh, Tom, yeah, what's up? I know you. I see you everywhere. How are you doing?" And I don't have to go through a 30-minute spiel or 10-minute spiel of just having to get you to know who I am first. Such a waste of time in your cold call, right? Like if I could just call you, Caroline, and she's like, oh, it's Tom. Yes. Oh, I I bet you're calling me around sales development. What you got? She already knows and I can get right to it. Or she's going to tell me, I don't want to talk to you right now. I'm good. So I think you should lean into that and become that thought leader. Push yourself into this space. Be the person that knows that information and be the resource. Be the Google of your own industry straight up, let people come to you and get the answers for what they're looking for because you're established yourself that way.
0: Absolutely. And what, what, what advice do you have for SDRs or anyone really who wants to bolster their LinkedIn presence? Because I think it's a platform that a lot of people have some preconceived notions around, you know, how often I should be posting, what kind of content I should do this three times a week. I should, you know, so, so what are, what are some of your, um, you know, tips for folks looking to enhance their presence?
2: So many people think it's the creating the content and that's not even it. That is so surface level thinking with it that you should be creating content. Show up. That's it. Be seen. And what I mean by that is just drop your nuggets of stuff that you know. When you're going through your feed, engage, say hi, drop a comment, let people know your thought process, Uh, let people know your values, who you are, what kind of content you're doing. You don't have to be creating. Just let me know that I see you. And that's where I would start. Creating is great. And obviously, you're going to become an industry expert. You're going to start to be able to push out your own after a while. But just get involved. There's enough content already being created that you don't have to even think about it. Just go be involved in it. It's just like in a network event, right? If we all three were at a conference right now, am I just going to walk over to a corner and just start talking and hope five people come show up? No, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to, you know, here I am standing in the corner. Hey, so everybody, and then people just come. No, it's, I'm going to join in on conversations that are already happening, that are already there for me where I feel comfortable. You know, I go and network with somebody. So do the same on your social platform, especially on LinkedIn. You have to look at it like a big conference, get out, step out, go join other people's content, bring in other folks, just like you would. If I see a great article, I might bring in my prospective buyer. I might bring in my friends and say, hey, did you see this? Come check this out. And and that person that created the content is now being the facilitator. So that's my big tip is it's stop worrying about the creation part. Like, I I don't know any a conference wouldn't even work if everybody showed up thinking they had to create combos. Like then what are we all doing? There's 50 50 people standing around speaking at themselves. (laughs) You know, get in circles, get in some groups, make an impression, drop some value, come in. Caroline, I saw your great post. Love this. This is why. This is what I took away from it. And here's what I would add. And then go about your day. Um, and you do that more often than not. And in the right circles on what you're trying to do, the social selling aspect, be in the right circles. People start to pick up on you after a while of you showing up. And then once you start digesting more, you'll start creating your own. Oh my gosh, I saw this great post by Caroline the other day. Wanted to plug this into my network. You know, check this out and you start creating your own version of it, facilitating, you know, a discussion within your people. So that's kind of my advice is just show up, get out there, be seen, connect with your buyers, let them know you're there for them. And naturally just watch what happens after three, four months. And, and you could sprinkle in some content, right? Three a day is where I started. I started a year and a half ago back in July of 2020. I had like 2,000 followers, not a big deal, right? I was there. And then I just stepped out and started engaging with people. And then after engaging. I started creating and I was like, okay, now I have my own ideas. I'm kind of getting confident. I see that people are supporting me. They like what I have. And then I started creating and that's where you get engagement from. Too many people think they start creating first. Well, you can't. Nobody's going to come. Go get your base first. Go build a community of people first, then step out and watch what they do for you. Yeah. It's
1: funny that exact sequencing, it occurs to me is Sharpening the saw for every skill that an SDR might need in their skill set in their (laughs) every tool in their toolbox, isn't it?
2: A little bit, right? It hits all the heads, right? You're getting out there, you're you're putting yourself out there, you're getting in practice, you're engaging with people. And then guess what happens? You're gonna get on the phone and have way easier conversations. It's just gonna strengthen everything for you because you're gonna have fresh, relevant content to bring on the call, you know. Hey. Just saw this great art, you know, actually great challenge you have there, Caroline. I just saw the page on uh, so-and-so's uh, LinkedIn the other day, right? And you can now kind of show that expertise. So it just hits the nail across the head on on all of it.
0: Yeah. And it's no surprise that you, you seem like you're so natural with this community building and you know community manager so can you talk a little bit about how you facilitate community growth in the age of covid right like everything is remote pretty much nowadays but how, how do you how do you virtually facilitate You know, community building events and building your own community.
2: It's been a wild ride. COVID changed the world, right? And we all got pushed aside to four walls, virtual walls, all that good stuff. You know, and in sales development, speaking about what we're talking about, the buzz of a sales floor is so important. It really does elevate each other to do a little bit more to have that competition, that smack talking with one another, that rallying behind one another, or just being able to pick up little nuggets from hearing somebody else talk, right? And be like, hey, Oh, I hear Caroline over there. What's she saying? And then you kind of tune in. We all got pushed to walls. Now it's just you echoing in your own house. And you're like, okay, I don't like the sound of my voice. This is terrible. And you know, you're know, you just going through the motions. So community played a big part for a lot of orgs because you're able to bring people together, let them have that virtual floor together. And that's what we're doing in Rev League, right? We build that floor for sales development. But for me, community is just about letting people feel seen, heard, and valued. That's what people are longing for. I mean, it's just to know, hey, I'm not alone. You know, and that was the biggest takeaway from the past two years. And people kind of got more connected than ever. The walls got broken down a little bit and people were like, huh, we're all really alike. Here we all are. I didn't know. We were all running our own direction in this fast paced world that, hey, I'm not alone. You know, I'm, I'm, these, these pains are tough. You see working parents every day talking about it on LinkedIn and sharing their wins. And that's a small micro community, right? They feel good that other people are stepping out and saying hey yeah i might be 5 minutes late to your meeting but i got a crying baby what do you want me to do right and now it's a little bit normal and so you just find ways to build that within your community you find ways to make them connect on relatable things let them feel seen let them feel heard you know without them having to come to you you've got to be 10 steps ahead on what's going on and kind of see and then just step out and say hey anybody else feeling like this and then you get five raised hands and now you've got a new event or a new community program Because you start to realize, you know, and so that's kind of what I've done with community manager within Rev Genius is just make people know that like, like I'm I'm here, let me me know what's going on, where are you at, and then find a way to make micro communities because we have 20,000 people, it's very daunting, you get in and you're like, what the hell do I do? (laughs) Cool, community, but like, what do I do? So we try to get into some micro things, get you connected on a smaller level, whether that's a chapter program with people local right you're in Atlanta join the Atlanta chapter get with people around you personally oh you're a working parent join the working parents channel or oh you're a woman in sales come be with other women in sales with rev women and we find ways for you to connect within the community on a little bit of a granular level and then we're all winning together at a big giant level
1: that's awesome that sounds like a winning formula for success to be honest and you were saying something you know before we started the recording really around kind of being that place where People can level up their game and really learn the things that aren't obvious or aren't taught. You know, you give a few examples of like how yeah. do you coach tonality, or you know what what's really working kind of in the space today. And I'd love for you to kind of just share with the audience what some of those things, what some of those topics, the the texture and the and the tone of exactly what you guys are doing and talking about within you know either RevGenius Genius or Rev League.
2: You know, and we talked about it early on, is, is the biggest thing that anybody ever learned in sales and when I even started my career is you had to learn by doing um, and just get practice. There wasn't a lot that you could, again, you can read, you can digest, you can do a lot, but, but how do I actually practically apply what I'm digesting? What are the pieces of that article I read that are the most important? You know, like you mentioned, tonality. You can't learn that on Google and LinkedIn. There's no audio files. You can't click and they're like, hey, do this kind of tone. Click the sample. Okay. You hear it. None of that exists. So how great. I read the script on HubSpot. It says to say it like this. Cool. Go back on the phone. I fall completely on my face when I read it verbatim. Well, okay. Yes. But there's a little bit of finesse in there. You got a tone, deliver it, mirror your prospect. That's great. But what, how do I do that? So within RevLeague, what we're doing with our our sales development program is building a lab, right? Building a virtual sales floor in a lab that allows that practice. The, the practical uh, implementation of what you're out there digesting and what you're trying to do in the, the trenches of sales development. So we know we have office hours for code calling. Again, come in and tell me what that script is that you're trying. Let's live do it. Give me the tonality you're delivering. And with your peers and myself, five, eight of us on that call, we can play it out with you and kind of match the tone, give you different scenarios and play it out. Right. and And we really play it out, not the fluff stuff. We're not going to try to, match, you know, exactly what you want us to say, we're going to push back and give you that 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 practice. Same with emails, we're, we're tearing them down in email office hours, right? Like here you wrote it up, it's not working. Let's take a look at why. Let's find out the messaging, what it's saying and you get real people. It's like having a soundboard, that's all. Just something to bounce off and say, listen, this is where I'm at. How can I be helped? Because this stuff can't be learned on Google and LinkedIn and a lot of it's outdated now, unfortunately. Like it's all new times. Like I, all of us are at point, you know, it's kind of like in sales when every month we start back at zero, you know, you're like, Hey, you killed the last month, but we're leveled for today. We're all at zero. I feel like the entire kind of sales world got put back to zero and we all reset. And now you're finding new people stepping in with new innovative creativity and new things leveling up because the old tactics aren't there. But now with all this new stuff, all you're hearing about is hearing about it. So how do I apply it? And that's what we're doing in the community is just really getting in the lab, putting in the practice of the muscle, getting to work with your peers because you can't learn this stuff just digesting. You've got to do it. You've got to put it in the practice.
0: Yeah, office hours—it's such a cool thing that you guys do. I love that, and I'm curious. Uh, I'd love to hear more about it. Is there mm-hmm. is there kind of a structure laid out for those office hours, or, or do you really just like to sort of sandbox, <laughs> sandbox learn? We
2: we sandbox it, right? It's not really a structured thing. We do them every bi-week. On Tuesdays and Thursdays. So Tuesday is email, and Thursdays are cold calling. And the members come as they need. Right? They're optional. We're here. I've got some subject matter experts, not thought leaders, not gurus, but people that are actually doing that job. Right? That are actually cold calling every single day, so we can talk and give you real feedback. People that are actually emailing and finding reply rates over ten percent. And then I have my sponsors, some people that will come in, like you know, Lavender, Mailshake. They'll come and host email office hours and be that subject matter expert and give us little tips. But it's a free form. Last week, we built an entire sequence with somebody in an hour, right? We got on a screen. We, we They showed us what they were working with and eight of us helped them build a sequence. How cool is that? Where do you get that? You don't get that off of Google. You don't get that out of LinkedIn. But in my community, we got you. Come show us what you got. Be open with it. And everybody's down for the growth. And then they go and implement that sequence. And they're like, I booked four meetings already. This is awesome. And now they have something that actually works. And then we all get to tinker with it too. So we're actually, I feel like we're creating the market trends within my community. You know, in some fashion, we are creating new things. And once we see they win, we're sharing it to the world before it's too late, you know, before it becomes the best practice. <laughs> once it becomes the best practice, it's kind of over. <laughs> you know, it's like at that point, like it's not going to work no more. So when you see best practices, just be like, all right, those were like outdated. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Because that's I like when the- you know you've made it.
1: The tough thing about best practices, though, is that they do become best practices for a reason. Um, I always find this discussion to be fascinating because it's like, what are the universal things that will almost always work, right? Like, for instance, guidance that we give here at Science that will, frankly, never change. I, I can't ever picture us saying, don't put the prospect first. Don't wrap all of the language that you're ever going to use in an email, in a LinkedIn outreach, on the phone, really on any medium where you don't consider the prospect first before yourself, before your offer, before your value proposition. Because if you're putting the prospect second, then you're never going to even get to number one, to be honest with you.
2: (laughs) Hundred
1: percent. But that's like a best practice, but it's also kind of like a truism. And so I'm wondering where and and as an expert yourself, like where in your mind do best practices end and gimmicks begin, or like, you know, where everything gets kind of like overused and then we all get sick of it and we pattern match against it. But where's the seed kernel of like best practice, like survive?
2: Gosh, that is a really great curveball because that is probably the biggest question anybody would ask, right? When do I know what I'm actually reading and when to cut through the noise and say, okay, this is a true best practice or, you know, this is just a gimmick for now. Ah, I think look at the data, look at, you know, what is actually happening with that best practice, like really do your research. It's just like when you follow thought leaders or you're on social trying to find people, Do your due diligence a little bit. Take a little bit more of a a focus on, you know, you hear this great person on LinkedIn posting all this stuff. You go look at their profile. They've been in SDR for six months, but they're putting out all this great content that SDRing is so cool. They've got all these great best practices. Eh, I don't know, you know, I might have to look in that a little bit more because you've been doing it for six months. Is that really a best practice? Where if I see a, you know, eight-year vet doing SDRing, I'm like, okay, maybe you have some leeway here. Maybe you are actually doing a best practice. What I try to find between a gimmick and a best practice is I try to look at something that's repeatable. I mean, that is made a little bit more like a formula base. I'm not trying to look at scripts. I'm not trying to look at something that could be just templated out and, and thrown out to the masses. What I want to find is things that are best practices as far as a formula, you know, that can help me kind of cater this best practice to myself in a way that makes sense for me. You know, I'll go to HubSpot. I used to look up a lot of HubSpot articles on email templates. And try to figure out what was working, what was not. But I never just copied and pasted and threw those in my sequence. I just looked at the formula, the baseline of what that best practice was trying to tell me, and then apply it to myself and see what my data would give me using some of that. So, it's kind of my answer, right? Is look at data, do some due diligence in it a little bit, maybe talk to some other SDRs. Hey, have you tried this? You know, what are your thoughts on this uh, practice? That's the beauty of community. That's the beauty of networking. That's the beauty of showing up. So you can have some friends to be like, hey, before I just load this up in my sequence or start saying this on a cold call, have you heard this? What are your thoughts? Like, is this working for you? That's kind of how I look at it because anybody can say best practices or best of anything. Um, we saw the better up ce- or the better.com CEO be listed on LinkedIn as a top company in 2021 to work for. And then he laid off 700 people in, in one day on a Zoom. But, you know, LinkedIn said they were the best company to work for. So, you know, that's a gimmick versus a best practice, right? It's you just got to do your due diligence and not take everything at surface value. That would be my tip if I could give any kind of answer to that.
0: Yeah. And, and to the point you made about, you know, running it by folks, right? Like, what what do you think when you coach, what do you think is best? One-on-one coaching? right? Like one-to-one, you know, role plays, call analysis, mock sessions, et cetera. Or do you find that it's better to do that, but in a larger group? What, what do you think some of, some of the benefits are there?
2: I think it's a mixture. It has to be a hybrid. You've got to do the one-to-one because that's a safer environment. You've got to remember, not everybody likes the public stuff. You don't see a lot of cold callers out there doing it live. You know, they're just, they're great at what they do. They just don't like that. Like they don't like being out there exposed and vulnerable. So I usually want to do a mixture, right? I do a group setting because I don't know everything. And any leader that has an ego like that is the problem. Let your team help each other, right? Like let them do the stuff that they're doing. And you guide, give your tips, do what you need to do. Let them in that group setting, work it out. I've left my teams. I said, listen, I'm frustrated. You guys are struggling. And I pulled the power move. I closed the door and I say, your manager's not here. Go and do it. You all figured out, figure out your game plan. And I'm going to go, you know, focus on something else. They then get to talk, right? And you, you, know, they do the whole thing. And then they come out and they're like, that was great. We really got to talking and like, we're going to do it. And then they go kill it, right? Because yeah. you're out of the equation. So I think group settings are very, very strong for just that peer-to-peer. Get them uncomfortable too, because that's where growth happens. So sometimes they start talking, they kind of get into some growth mode and vulnerability. And they're like, okay, I can get out there. I can talk about what my struggles are. And then go to one-to-one, talk with them and get a little bit more granular with you know, their, what's going on, role-play with them a little bit. And with the mixture of both, then you really can start to really find some wins for them and really put them in an environment to where they're, they're winning. Because if you just do one-on-ones by yourself, you're limiting somebody's creativity. You're limiting somebody else's growth for your gain because you're concerned that maybe this rep will mislead them or switch them up. Let it happen. Let them work with their peers. Let them hear what's going on. I would sometimes rotate my one on ones between me and my team lead. Go talk to your team lead this week. You know, let them know how they can help you. And then I'd have the team lead send me a follow up email, kind of looping everybody in, right? This is what we discussed. This is what we're going to do next. And I let them own it. One, I'm giving my team lead the ability to take on some extra stuff, learn what those conversations look like. And two, I'm not the soundboard all the time. You know, you only know so much. So getting everybody involved, I think, is huge, but then also providing that safe space, like, I'm here for you like like let's break down the barriers. it's just me and you in the room. How can I coach you and what what you know what can I do for you?
1: You know Tom, your advice is is golden, and one of the themes that I'm picking up on, especially over the last few minutes, is really the power of peers and the wisdom of crowds, where you've provided numerous examples of getting to a better place and even leveling up largely on the back of not trying to do it all the hard way <laughs> by yourself. Right, like, isn't isn't that the truth? It really look. I, I compare it to
2: sports, and I know we need to do away with that. There's another way to put sales. Right, it's not always the sports analogies. But you look at the side of a football field, you see the head coach.
1: Yeah,
2: but the head coach is not out there by himself every week. Okay, they have specialized people supporting their team. I am the coach overall, but I've got my wide receiver coach. I've got my running back coach. I've got my defensive coordinator. And together we win collectively. I don't have an ego. I know what I can do and I can show you and I'll give you your wins if you trust me. But I'm also going to earn your trust because I have a, a, a network behind me that's going to pour into you. That's going to help you. you know, you're looking to get better at cold calling. Great. I'm going to sync you up with my cold calling coach. You, know, you need email. We had one member in Rev League that was only ever emailing. She booked 25 meetings a month just purely by emailing. Hyper personalized, very well done, knew her frameworks, Never picked up a cold call. Joined the community. Guess what started happening? Got it riled up with the other cold callers. Started coming to some office hours, dipping her toes in. Guess what? Now she cold calls. And now she kills and doubles her numbers because she's got email working for her, which she's already mastered. And now she's dabbling in cold calling and getting faster responses to her emails. And she's getting direct con- you know, feedback to then tweak her emails and be like, oh, that's why you didn't get my email. Or, oh, this is why it's not doing well. So now she's won all the way through. So I think that's the importance of having you know a staff for your people. Don't make it just about you. Get peers involved. Find your subject matter experts within your team, especially in enterprise, right? This is what this entire podcast is about, right? I had really good people on the phone, but then I had really good people on multi-threading and really getting into accounts. So I partner them up, weaknesses and strengths, even insert gamification and bring in your team and say... Okay, cold caller. I'm gonna have you partner with an emailer. You guys go against these two over here, and now both of them would work together to figure out how they were gonna win. Listen, I'm not good in email, but we gotta beat these guys. What can I do? Can you give me some good emails to craft? Hey, I'm not really good on the phone. Level me up so we can win this. Now they're, you know, they're complimenting one another, and they're both leveling up. So that's kind of you know the importance of building that micro community within your team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious what your thoughts are, right? So speaking of multi-channel approaches, outreach, what, what do you think is the most slept on channel for outreach? What, where do you think people are missing out nowadays?
2: Phones. <laughs> I think mean, people don't like to pick up the phone. <laughs> I, I just think, you know, that I think this is where you're looking at a best practice versus a gimmick. I think the noise that's out there about cold calling is what's disrupting it. People are buying into it. You can social media is such a bad influencer as a whole. You know, we think that's why, again, COVID kind of woke everybody up to be like, oh, the world really isn't like this, like what we all see every day. There really is, you know, a lot going on. So I think the number one channel right now is still picking up the phone and really getting into a live conversation. People are tired of the inbox triage with all the emails. Caroline, Eric, like you probably got thousands of emails. It's just ridiculous. And honestly, one time a prospect told me, and I learned this early, you know, a couple of years ago, we get into the mindset of just us, right? Like what we need, our goal. I need to book meetings. But when you think about your prospect, if they were to give five, 30 minutes to every single email they got, they wouldn't have a job. What the hell do you want me to do? I can't even do my actual job if I'm taking 30 minutes with you all every five minutes then how do I actually do my job? So it's not a a, a value thing. This isn't me, a personal attack on you. It's just, Hey, right now I've got a lot on my plate and and everybody's emailing me asking for my time. I get it. You've got something that's great. So I think picking up the phone and just saying, listen, Eric, I get it. You know, the box is just lame it's a lot going on there, but Hey, here's what I got for you. Where are you at in priorities right now? Does that fit? It actually really does. Awesome. What's the best way to get a hold of you and and kind of go along in a conversation, right? And then Eric's going to tell me and I can lean into that. So the most information you can get from your prospects is just a live conversation. And then I think social selling as my second, right? I think definitely we're in a world where get out there and be seen and beat out your competitors that are hiding and not putting themselves out there because people want to call brands that they trust, that they know behind the closed doors looks like, because I'm tired of hearing how great your product and services and all your cool accolades and all these great things. I want to know from your actual customer base or from your people, like what's going on. And that's why I will support a brand because I actually align with the values of it. And then I'll you know share it to my network. I'll share it to my friends. But if I don't know you and you're just hitting on my inbox, Tom, this is so great. You would love this. Fee-. No, like I'm okay. Yes. Show me some, show me some personality. Who are you? And honestly, sometimes you can send the worst. I've gotten some pretty bad emails from some people, but I knew them personally because of their brand that I still gave them a meeting, right? You can still win. It's like, hey, I got it, Caroline. Like, let's talk about some feedback on your email. It didn't really do it for me, but I know you, right? I know what you're selling. Like, yeah, let's, let's take 30 minutes. So it helps you all in all. So I think, you know, pick up the phone, get your data, talk with your people, and then, you know, be seen. Get on some social, make a presence in your market um, and let them know you're the expert. You're here for them.
1: You touched on something in that last little bit that I find to be endlessly fascinating, especially because I don't ever see any SDRs kind of like finishing the logical part of the other side of the equation, which is, hey, if you think about things from a prospect perspective or an executive's perspective, where they don't have... Unlimited time in their calendars to just take meetings for meeting's sake to learn more. And yet most of these individuals are buyers. They're out there always looking to level up for their teams, their departments, their companies. They're always looking around corners for strategies that are going to pay off, either drive costs down or increase revenues, whatever the case may be. And it's funny, right? Like we, we always kind of default to these understandings of a marketplace, like serious decisions will tell you, hey, a, a buyer is 60% of the way through their buying process before they'll ever meet with sales. And I'm, I'm saying to myself, I've seen the Martech 5000, which is more like 8,500 and change these days. And the same laws apply. If I wanted to research every company in a space that was a problem area, hey, I want to go invest in conversational intelligence. Oh, okay. So I could go meet with 120 vendors and have no other time on my calendar for anything else, including my day job, <laughs> just to make a wise buying decision. That side of the equation of a cold caller, a cold outreach, someone who could provide a shortcut, direct my attention into a, a like an area where I may be focused, or if I'm not focused, I should be, in a way that like changes the game. For the entire buying like cycle, like, isn't that an interesting part of the 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 untold story of the the need that SDRs serve? Really,
2: it's it's all of that, right? It, it's it's a mass amount of knowledge. We're not in the '90s and '80s anymore, where you had to take that call at your dinner table to understand what new product was on the market, right? That's how you got your information back then. Was was the phone because there was no TV, all this great stuff going on. And, and that's how they had to do it. Nowadays, I don't need any of that. Now the purpose of a sales development rep and what they're trying to do is be that pattern disrupt and, and try to cut through the noise and say, listen, Eric, I know you're evaluating conversation intelligence. You mentioned it. I saw it on your LinkedIn, right? This is where you're at. What has been the b- biggest challenge for you in, in analyzing all the 120 that are out there? What have you done up until this point? Well, I've done this, this, and this. Awesome. So is so many others. Let me show you something that's going to bypass all of that because you don't got six weeks to go through that. I've got two weeks that I can do for you and, and help you. Do you have 30 minutes to kind of talk about that and uh, squeeze me in? And we can show you some ways to get to your end result faster because you don't have the time, but I do. I do this for a living, Eric. I'm talking to everybody. I know all the tools. And even if mine at the end of the day is not work for you, I'm going to show you what you need to be exploring, what the real differentiator is in these tools and help you in your hero's journey to get to where you need to go, which is you need to be analyzing your conversations a lot faster, making sure your reps are doing the right practices. So do you have thurs- Thursday at two o'clock some time? And I can show you a couple things, right? Now I cut through the noise. I'm out of the way. Like I'm helping you to your hero's journey. That, like, take the burden off your prospect, be that pattern disrupt and say, listen, I know your space. I know all the tools. But the problem is everybody just goes in with their tool. They're trying to sell their tool stop that part don't even get there yet just talk to the individual find out where they are where they want to go and what then you can do to help them get between that middle part and whether that lands in your lap hey that's a win yes we'll be that tool for you but if it's not i'm still going to help eric and get him to where he needs to go because when he then has another moment down the road he's going to remember me and he might kick me somebody or he'll be like you know you should talk to tom he really helped me on my journey why don't you connect with him and see if you know he might be able to direct you Now I've earned that authority in the market. Now all the CMOs are talking about Tom and they're like, man, this guy, he really knows the marketing space. You know, It sounds like you have some challenges there. Talk to him. And now people aren't threatened by me. I'm not here to sell you. I'm here to help you. And when you go in that mentality, you're disruptive because everybody thinks you're here to sell. And you're like, hey, I'm not here to sell. If I have to sell, I'm doing my job wrong. That's how I've always looked at it. If you have to sell, you're doing your job wrong. That means you're forcing a square into a circle and it doesn't work right? It should be an effortless conversation. There should be a relevancy there. There should be some research done. And again, that relatability, like I'm one of you, let me f- let you feel that way. And at the end of the day, hey, let me show you how my tool can help because I do know it will. And if it doesn't, at least you take away some better direction to make your buying process a little bit faster.
1: Some very wise, wise words right there. I almost want to like pivot off of that into, you know, because we're, we're running a little bit low on time into what are some of the ways and Boy, oh boy, Tom, you you're involved with so many different projects from Rev Genius to Rev League to Dooley to your strategic advisor at Sendoso, member of Modern Sales Pros. You've got your own or had your own podcast. Where can people get a hold of you? And, and what are some things that, that you're working on that you'd love our audience to kind of check out? You
2: know, everywhere, right? So I've got a lot of content on LinkedIn. That's where most everything, that's where I live. That's where I breathe. I'm trying to diversify and get on Twitter and do my Instagram and kind of be there. But LinkedIn's where I'm always at, where you can find a lot of my content, everything I've been featured in, you know, and then Rev Genius, right? The community, come be a part, it's free. Uh, We've got 20,000 people in there now, and that's where I live and breathe, right? That's where I put all of my attention. Because those are people showing up for me in our community. So I try to be there for them. You can DM me anytime. People will find I'm way too accessible and I'm way too giving. It is my double-edged sword. Uh, I work 48 hours in one day. But I just love it. That's my passion. I love to help people. And, and you know that's where you can find me. Is in the community or on LinkedIn. And on my LinkedIn, you'll find my link tree, which then directs to all of my content, all the things I've been featured in, my podcast, all of that good stuff to help you level up in some capacity.
1: That is awesome. You've been a wonderful guest. Thank you for stopping by and sharing your wisdom with us. It's been Thank cool. You <laughs> yeah.
2: I, uh I had a blast with this. This is my jam. I love enterprise sales development. You know, we talked about it before the recording start. This is the getting a yes on an enterprise count is the coolest thing. I get to go to family dinners and say, I talked to the CMO at science and I got a meeting with them, right? Like, That's just the win. And they're like, oh, you know that person? And you're like, yeah, I know that person. You're like, just got one yes from them to book a meeting. But you're like, yeah, I know them. They're they're cool. One time I booked a meeting with Betco. Betco, And I was like, oh, I got the VP of Betco. This is so cool. And, uh, you know, became friends with somebody. So that's why I like the space. But yeah, this has been great. Thank you all for having me.